Just something to understand before we get started on this edition of The Educators. This episode is certainly inspiring, but it contains references to self-harm and suicidal thoughts from the outset. So if that sounds like it might be difficult for you to listen to, check out one of our other episodes in your podcast feed. So for me, the reason that I'm so passionate about mental health is because every day I wake up, I shouldn't actually be here. There are several times that I've tried to end my life and I'm still here today. And the world needs me to be here today because sometimes if you don't fight, who will? If you don't make the changes that you want to see, who will? This time, unusually for the Educators podcast, we're not hearing from an education professional. Instead, we're looking at things from the other side of the coin. Our guest is an award-winning mental health campaigner and consultant and has been recognised as one of the UK's most inspiring students. My name is Meg Zinatwamithi and I'm the founder and CEO at My My Matters 2. My My Matters 2 is an innovation hub for research for young adults for mental health. So everything we do is about finding insights about what young people across the globe are going through, how that impacts their mental health, but most importantly, providing young people's voices to solve these issues. So we work with schools, universities, corporates all across the globe, helping them build mentally healthy environments. When I was 13, I was first diagnosed with severe depression, anxiety, anorexia and paranoia. I just found myself feeling really tired. I stopped going to football training, I stopped going to dance, I stopped swimming, I stopped seeing my friends and I didn't really know what was going on. And by 14 I had my first suicide attempt and by 16 I had my second and I really didn't think I'd ever make it to my 18th birthday, really and truly when it got to my year 11, so my senior year, I thought that was it. I didn't see a way out. I didn't think I was ever gonna make it to prom either. It doesn't get easier talking about it. Sometimes I definitely do go through periods of relapses and sometimes I don't wanna be here, but I just remember how far I've come. That 13 year old Meg was in so much darkness and now, quote unquote, the light's shining on me, but I feel like there's a beacon of light in front of me and I'm so proud and ooh, get emotional, but I'm so proud of myself for like getting this far. Going to school at 13 when I had severe depression, anxiety, anorexia and paranoia was like being in a film and everyone else is on fast forward and you're in slow motion. I felt so unworthy and so incapable and I just felt like such an outsider. I'd lost so much weight, I had become so quiet and I was someone who was the voice of the class. Like I had a presence and I'd lost that. When I was 13, mental health wasn't something we spoke about. I was completely and utterly alone, um, really and truly. I didn't have any support. Schools back then and even still today are very much academically focused. What are the grades you're gonna get? What's the future that you want? Professionally, where do you see yourself? Not what type of person do you wanna be? How are you doing? How are you, Meg? And that didn't happen until I got to year 11 and my wonderful teacher, B, she's just, she saved my life and she knows it. I remind her all the time. B comes into the room, she is bright. She's just 
like sunshine. I want to say if you were to imagine someone walk through the room and she's like sunshine, I remember the first person I really told was B. She called me in and I said, I just don't want to like go and have lunch with my friends right now. And she said, don't worry, I'll make you a cup of tea. We can have a conversation. And I remember breaking down to her saying, I'm not okay. No one's asking me, but I'm really not okay. I remember her hugging me. She broke completely protocols of teachers, but she could see that I was really calling out for help. She told me that wherever she is or wherever I am and whatever I need, she's always gonna be there to support me. Like if there's one thing that she wanted me to remember is that at school, at least, like I've always got her. And if it's just someone that I need to come and talk to during my lunch break, if it's after school, like I need a safe space to kind of do my homework, she was gonna be there. I remember thinking like, finally, someone, finally, someone actually can see that I'm not okay. Like finally, I'm gonna get the help that I need. Finally, no one's gonna be expecting me to be perfect all the time. And I think for a lot of students, when you're a high achiever, everyone thinks that you've got everything, right? And everyone thinks that you're doing okay. And it's so easy in this generation for people to see the image that you put on social media or the image of you walking into school or the image of your grades and being successful, but not really take the time to understand what's behind that. And I remember just feeling so seen and heard. And I said, thank God, finally, there's an adult that gets it. Like I'm not okay, regardless of the grades, like I need support. So B took it on herself to ring my mom. She rang my mom saying, hi, I'm B, I'm Meg's teacher. I hope I'm not overstepping and I completely understand if I've crossed the line, but Meg came to see me today and I'm really concerned. And my mom broke down as well because she could see it, but didn't know how to kind of bring it up. And in our background, being from an African background, my mom didn't get it. She didn't understand like, how can this like young girl not be okay? Like she's got everything. And like, have I failed as a parent? And um, I just thank B so much because she didn't have to do that. That's not a job. She went above and beyond the duty of a teacher. And I think, that's what we need in our educational spaces. If she didn't step in and she didn't go above and beyond, maybe Meg wouldn't be here today. I always just know that I am forever grateful and forever indebted to this amazing woman. And I just hope that everyone can have a teacher like B because the world definitely needs more people like her. So what can educators and leaders take away and act on from Meg's personal story? It's something she thinks about. She's come armed with advice and recommendations. Thinking back to my time at school and my educational journey, especially when I was going through all of those really, really big mental health and wellbeing challenges, I think the thing that really did help me was actually some of those lessons, those conversations that weren't in my subjects that weren't in the 50 minute sessions that I had on my timetable. They were during those lunch breaks with some incredible teachers like B that transformed my life because they taught me that it's okay not to be okay. They taught me that actually there's something just as important as your physical health as your mental health and that actually the world does have places for you to exist. Some schools in particular that we've worked with, they have well-being sessions throughout the year. And I thought that was phenomenal because in that sense, as a young person, if I am struggling, I can see that this is a safe space for me to go because we're changing the environment, right? And another thing that works really well is when teachers themselves open up. 
So it would be really lovely if teachers could feel comfortable and confident enough to also share their stories. Because if you can see that your teachers also go through times where it's up and down, then as a student, you'll feel more inclined to realize that you are absolutely fine. You're not different, you're not an outsider. These things are normal. My key or my top tips for teachers that want to support students is number one, research. With mental health, it's not a one shoe fits all. So find out what are the main issues and challenges that your students are facing. A simple survey, some focus groups that you can talk directly to young people themselves and understand what their challenges are, but also asking them what they want to be done. Too often we talk about representing young people's voices, but we leave them out of the table, we leave them out of the room. You shouldn't be doing anything without having your students involved. They want to be involved. They want to have services that are designed by them, that are led by them, and they're used by them. They want to feel part of that community. And the only way they can is by co-producing these strategies, these kind of drop down days, these brilliant events where you can reduce the stigma together because young people do have some fantastic ideas and their voices should be heard. And number three would be to try. So often teachers don't do anything because they're fearful of, oh my goodness, would it work, would it not? And really and truly mental health is such an untapped space in the education space that anything you do is good. Do something, try it. So far, we've heard from Meg about supporting pupils' mental health. But how can we support those working in education? My advice to teachers and educators is to understand that your educational space is also a workplace. Head teachers, you know, everyone on the governing board, you are employers, you are part of that senior leadership. You have a duty to look after everyone in that space, not just the students, but also the people that are behind the bread and butter of school teachers. My advice would be to provide some adequate support for teachers, particularly new qualified teachers who have no, no kind of understanding of what they're getting themselves into. So we're looking at actual proper mental health support, whether that's subsidized, whether that's someone who can come in, maybe they can have their own counselors um, and have some sort of extension of mental health support. But also teachers want to be trained. They want to be able to help, but they don't know how. Is there any way that your school can get in the same way that we have normal first aiders, mental health first aiders, can they take extra courses? What can you do to actually change the infrastructure? Could there be mental health leads? Can you actually employ someone to be the head of mental health at your school? So then there's actually someone, that's someone's job and their duty to make sure the whole school in all its levels, how can everyone be supported? And that's only gonna happen when we actually understand that schools aren't just educational spaces, they're workplaces as well. Some of the tips I can give teachers, particularly that are struggling with their own mental health is number one, set your own boundaries. It's really difficult sometimes as a teacher or many of us who work to switch off. And I often see my teachers take things home, mark, they're just constantly working. How can you set boundaries to switch off? Number two is how can you find your own community? Could you set up some sort of collective out? at your workplace, at your school, where all teachers can have conversations. Maybe it's once a week where you have just a tea and chat, literally just someone can organize it in one of the coffee rooms, have a tea and a chat so that everyone can kind of come share and feel supported. And then you have a safe space where everyone can feel like they can you know, be vulnerable and open up. 
And lastly, I would just say is you are worthy to get support as well. I think teachers always feel like they have to support everyone else and fix everyone else's problems, but go and seek support. If it's really getting tough, go see a medical professional, go to your GP and have a conversation about it because you are worthy of getting support and you deserve it as well, just as anyone else. Thank you so much to Meg Zinat Wamithi for sharing her personal story and insight. For more on the work Capita and Becoming X are doing in education, please check out capita.com forward slash Becoming X. Becoming X.